0: You know, I don't know if that song is going to end up kind of as an earworm for me or not, but am I the only one that ever walks around with a verse or a chorus or refrain and it just kind of is in your head? This week I've been walking around with these words, Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed, wellspring of the joy of living, ocean depth of happy rest. Thou our Father, Christ our brother, all who live and love are Thine. Teach us how to love each other, lift us to the joy divine. And if we really are going to be taught how to love one another, it means that there has to be more than just words. There needs to be actions that go along with it. But friends, we all know that is easier said than done. And so in this month of November, that's what we're taking a look at, this these things that are easier to say than it is to actually do. We began with All Saints Day, and it's, it's easier to say the words goodbye than it is to really experience that kind of loss. Next week, as we are preparing for Thanksgiving, we're going to hear the words thank you. It's easy to say thank you, but are we really showing our gratitude? But last week, we did this sermon around, I was wrong. And for some people, it's so hard to say, I was wrong. But unless we truly are sorry, I was wrong, doesn't make much of a difference. No, I'm sorry is a perfect way to follow up, oh, I made a mistake. But I'm sorry is then the gateway to what our focus for today is, and that is forgiveness. Forgiveness. To say, I forgive you, is easy to say, but to truly extend that grace and that forgiveness is something altogether different. But what you need to know is, friends, forgiveness is the nature of God. It's in God's nature to forgive. That's why God took our flesh, lived our life, that we might know grace and forgiveness and friends, it really should be forgiveness and love that defines all kingdom relationships within the kingdom of God. And scripture after scripture points to this need. The psalmist writes in Psalm 130 verses 3 and 4, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you so that, we may, so that you may be revered. Luke has Jesus saying these words, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So it's easy to say, it's easy to write. Again, it's harder to do. Paul was writing to this church in Corinth, and he says in the second letter, the fifth chapter, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation... Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making His appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. There is that, that phrase: "Not counting their trespasses." And remember when Jesus said, "Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us." But is there any limit to how much we should forgive? Peter and the disciples were kind of questioning Jesus. And in Matthew, we hear this. Then Peter came to Jesus and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, and does that ever happen in any church where one might do something inappropriate, might sin against another or against the community of faith itself? If another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Seven, a perfect number. Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. That doesn't mean, friends, that we keep count and we finally say, ha-ha, finally, that's 77. I I don't have to forgive you anymore. Now, these are all the words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so we begin this morning with the knowledge that God and Jesus has commanded us to forgive. And we add to that our general belief that forgiveness really is a good thing. I mean, doesn't it feel good when we ourselves are forgiven? But then when we get into the actual situation where our heart has been stomped on and our emotions have been ripped to shreds, all of us need a little extra encouragement to truly forgive. It helps us in that moment not simply to know that we are supposed to forgive, but why forgiveness is the course that we should and that we want to take. And when we are in those hard situations where forgiveness is so unnatural, we start to ask, well, why should I forgive? And so this morning I want to explore forgiveness. And then I want to look at why we should forgive, which really leads us into how to forgive. And so I have this to say about forgiveness. Forgiveness is an attribute of the strong, and forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. Let's look at the strength. Forgiveness is an attribute of the strong. Gandhi once said, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is an attribute of the strong. Now, forgiveness is not acting as if a wrong uh, was not that important. Forgiveness actually is confrontation. Forgiveness requires admitting that a serious wrong was done against you, something that was actually bad enough that needs to be forgiven. Forgiveness is the healing of wounds caused by another And when we offer forgiveness, we are choosing to let go of a past wrong and no longer be hurt by it. It is a strong move to make. But friends, forgiveness isn't just a gift to the other person. It is a forgiveness that you give. It is a gift you give yourself. It is you moving on. But it doesn't mean forgetting. Clara Barton was the founder of the American Red Cross and somebody came talking about A little grievance that that had happened. And, And the friend said, don't you remember it? And Barton said, no, I distinctly remember forgetting it. Forgetting it. Forgive your enemies, but never forget their names, is what JFK said. And as one proverbial wisdom says, the foolish neither forgive nor forget. The naive forgive and forget. The wise forgive, but do not forget. A few years ago, there was a powerful book that came out called The Shack. I know at my previous church we had some book studies around the the shack. I even think since I've been here, we've had a, a small group study around the shack. And this father is wrestling with something that was unthinkably terrible that happened to a child, and was really wrestling with moving forward of this. Could ever could this father ever offer forgiveness? And so the character says in this book: "So forgiveness does not require me to pretend it never happened." No, says the God figure. So is it all right if I'm angry? And the God figure says this, anger is the right response when something happens that is so wrong. But, the God figure continues, don't let the anger and pain and loss you feel prevent you from forgiving him and from removing your hands from around his neck because forgiveness is not about forgetting, it is about letting go of another person's throat yet there's something about us that feels so good to kind of metaphorically feel like we have our hands around our throat and friends that is a sin as we heard that beautiful song let go of anger it is a sin it will destroy you both outside and in and so we need forgiveness but I want to quickly look at why why we should forgive the very first one, and it's up on your screen, forgiveness acknowledges that there was a wrong committed. Some people are quick to discount the idea of forgiveness because they think it's kind of a pretending that nothing ever happened. It's no big deal. They say, oh, don't worry about it. But actually, that's not true at all. When you honestly confront the idea of forgiveness, that very act puts you in a place where you are acknowledging that a wrong was done, something bad enough that needs to be forgiven. And so forgiveness is not acting as if a wrong was not that important. Forgiveness is a confrontation. Forgiveness requires admitting that a serious wrong was done against you. It is naming the elephant in the room. But why forgive? Because forgiveness changes your status. You are no longer a victim if you are one who can extend forgiveness. No, you become just the opposite. You move from a victim to a victor. When we forgive, we are no longer powerless. We are no longer the one who has merely been acted upon, who has been wronged. When we forgive, we boldly stand and say, you will not dictate the way I respond to this. You will not dictate who I am. Forgiveness is victory. Dr. Martin Luther King in the civil rights movement, you know, they endured so much hate at the southern sheriffs with their clubs and their water cannons and, and the dogs, and yet they resisted without violence to the evil of the segregationist heart, and for many that brought light. There is an enormous power in refusing to respond to the violence in the way they were expected to, with more violence, no, just the opposite. As Dr. King wrote, to our most bitter opponents we say, We shall match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. Forgive. Why else should we forgive? Because forgiveness makes sense. It makes sense for people who have needed, who do need, and who will need forgiveness, and that is all of us. You see, we'd like to focus on the immediate situation and just dwell in our own soup of of sourness, and just dwell on the wrong that has been done to us. And oftentimes, we devise harsh and merciless responses to those who hurt us. Friends, if we look at the larger situation, we are not the only one to whom wrong has been done. We are also often the one who has done wrong to others. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Why forgive? And I I really like this one. Why should I forgive? Because forgiveness is the only road to freedom. And without forgiveness, friends, we will never ultimately be whole. We need to let go of that anger. We need to choose wholeness, the freedom that forgiveness has to offer us. I'm sure there are many of you who are watching this worship service that can name one or more, maybe many people whose lives have been ruined simply because they continue to hold on to a grudge, hold on to a wrong that was done them. As a Chinese proverb says, whoever opts for revenge should dig two graves. No, it is only forgiveness that is the road to freedom. All other roads other than forgiveness when a wrong has happened, lead to destruction, self-destruction. Forgiveness, as I reflect on it, is actually almost a selfish act, a selfish act because of its immense benefits to the one who is actually able to offer and extend forgiveness. As I read, one person uh, this week said, anger makes you smaller, while forgiveness forces you to grow beyond what you were. We have heard that when we forgive, we are no longer powerless. We are no longer fractured. We are no longer the one who has merely been acted upon. When we forgive, we boldly stand and say, you will not dictate the way I respond. You will not dictate who I am. And friends, that's when true healing takes place. As the God figure said to the lead character in the shack, forgiveness is first for you, the forgiver, to release you from something that will eat you alive, that will destroy your joy and your ability to love fully and openly. Why forgive? The final one is this. Forgiveness is not merely a suggestion that Jesus made. It is actually a kingdom commandment. Forgiveness is the nature of God. Remember it said, it said? It defines the relationships of God's people together. At the end of the day, for anyone who seeks to be an obedient Christian, forgiveness isn't simply the wisest choice. It's the only choice. The only choice. And so why should we forgive? It really leads us into how are we going to do it? It's one thing for me to stand up here and to look at the camera in the eye and say, you must forgive. But some people just don't know how to forgive, especially when the pain is so intense. How do we forgive? As I mentioned before, we we forgive by naming it. By naming the wrong that has taken place and by saying, it is not okay. How do we forgive? We move beyond naming it. We surrender our right to get even. And as I mentioned before, sometimes just that image of having our, our hands around a throat kind of takes us into a, a dark and, and scary place. But it's something that's in us early on. You know, as a parent, when your children are small and you hear nothing, they're up to something, right? So you want to hear some happy kind of giggling and laughing and, and playing and talking. You don't want to hear silence, but you also don't want to hear screams like bloody murder. And so this mother heard uh, her seven-year-old son just start screaming, and she ran into the room, and she found his baby sister, just two years old, just pulling on his hair, yanking on his hair, not willing to let go. And so the mother gently released the, the, the little girl's fingers from her son's hair, and she said to the boy, she didn't mean it, son, she doesn't even know that it hurts, He nodded his acknowledgement and she left the room. She wasn't more than three or four steps down the hallway when she heard the little girl start screaming and she rushed back in and said, what happened? And the little boy replies, she knows now how it feels. We need to surrender that right to get even. When we choose to forgive, though, we choose to lay aside our right to exact revenge In the moment of making that decision, we're really doing a couple of things that are very important. We're leaving the ultimate justice to God. But secondly, and even more importantly, we are deliberately choosing for ourselves the path of forgiveness. This is the first step, friends, down a different path. Acknowledging that we have been hurt gets in the right place to begin, but surrendering our right to get even is the first step down that path. And so how do we forgive? How do we forgive? We let go of all that. We name it. We let go of it. But then we need to see the person as something other than a villain. We need to search for the real person behind the villain's mask. And when somebody has done something terrible to us, we seek to vilify them. We don't want to like them. We want to find some fault with them. And so we vilify. But if we look deeper... Could we really see that person as a precious child of God? Can we get of control of ourselves and, and look at that individual the way Jesus looks at that individual? Jesus who said, love your enemies as yourself. And friends, if we can do that, we can see that they really aren't enemies at all. You might even come to a level of understanding what motivated their actions. And so how to forgive, we, we see the real person. But next thing that we do is we actually have to take it even a step further. Not only do we not see them as a villain anymore, but the next step is that we truly and honestly desire that good things would happen to that person who has done us wrong. Jesus modeled this. While they were torturing him, while they were crucifying him, Jesus prayed that good things would happen to those who were perpetrating this violence. Father, forgive them. Lord, bring blessings of grace upon them because they don't really know what they're doing. But finally, if we are fortunate enough, if possible, enjoy a relationship That can be healed because forgiveness is greater than acts of of evil. It is a a power play. It is strength. Now I said if at all possible. Sometimes that person goes ahead of us. Been born into eternity before we really got to a place where we think that, that the relationship could be healed. But as Thomas More said, earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. And so I want to leave you with a story, a story that I came across. It's a story of, there's a Albert Tomey, who was a justice of the New York State Supreme Court. He passed away October 17th, less than a month ago, and within his courtroom, a young defendant was convicted of gunning down an innocent person, execution style. The murderer had already a long rap sheet, a long record. This individual was no stranger to the system and only stared in anger at the jury when it returned its guilty verdict. Now the victim's family, mother and grandmother, attended every single day of the two-week trial And on the day of sentencing, the victim's mother and grandmother addressed the court, which is a common practice. When the mother and grandmother spoke in that courtroom, neither one of them addressed the jury. Both spoke directly to the murderer who had taken the life of their son and grandson. And they did the most amazing thing. They both forgave That young man. One said, You broke the golden rule, loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You broke the law, loving your neighbor as yourself. I am your neighbor. So you have my address. If you want to write, I'll write you back, said the grandmother. I sat in this trial for two weeks, and for the last 16 months, I tried to hate you, but you know what? I could not hate you. Instead, I feel sorry for the choice that you made. Judge Tomey wrote of the experience, for the first time since the trial began, the defendant's eyes lost their laser force and appeared to surrender to a life force that only a mother can generate, nurturing unconditional love. After the grandmother finished, I looked at the defendant, writes the judge. His head was hanging low. There was no more swagger. No more stare. The destructive and evil forces within him collapsed helplessly before this remarkable display of humaneness. In choosing the path of forgiveness, that grandmother unleashed a power that could not be tapped into any way. Forgiveness unleashes a power, and it sets us free. And so as was written to the Colossians, forgive each other as the Lord forgave you, so you ought to forgive each other. Friends, forgiveness is the nature of God and it defines all of the relationships in the kingdom of God. And so we turn our attention to heaven and we say, thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed, wellspring of the joy of living, ocean depth, of happy rest. Thou our Father, Christ our brother, all who live in love are thine. Teach us how to love each other. Lift us to the joy divine. Amen.